Good morning. Netanyahu blinks the TikTok behind the move to ban TikTok, and leaders speak out against Trump's threats against Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the news for Tuesday morning, March 28, 2023. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu backed down in a confrontation that pitted his right-wing coalition government against tens of thousands of increasingly militant protesters. Netanyahu announced Monday he would delay changes limiting the power of Israel's Supreme Court, saying he wanted to avoid civil war. For the sake of our people and our country, I will do everything I can in order to reach a solution. I met this evening with various ministers, including the Minister of Defense. I've heard his fears about the implications of this situation on our national security, and I'm taking all of it into account. And yet I must also say again, reiterate that there is no place for refusing military service because it is risking our national security and the personal safety of each and every one of us. And there is no justification for refusing to serve. Let me tell you, my dear friends, I will do everything I can, everything in order to calm things down and to amend the rift because we are all brothers and sisters and God willing, we will do this together and we will succeed. Protesters say the government's plan is a threat to democracy, prompting massive rallies that shut down most of the country. Flights were suspended at Ben Gurion Airport. Schools, businesses, and even McDonald's restaurants were shuttered. Shortly after Netanyahu's speech, the head of the country's largest labor union called off a general strike. But protesters say they'll continue until the plan is entirely killed off. We'll have more on the story later this week and broadcast on the Progressive Radio Network News, prn.live, at 1 p.m. Eastern, every Sunday. In national news, six people, including three children, have been killed after a woman opened fire at a private Christian elementary school in Nashville, Tennessee. Officials say the three children, who were nine years old, had gunshot wounds. Audrey Hale, a 28-year-old suspect, was fatally shot by officers. Police say they think she was a former student at the school. She left behind a manifesto. Hale was armed with a rifle and handguns and had a detailed map of the school. The grim count is 128 mass shootings in the United States this year so far. In Washington, the United States Senate moved one step closer to repealing two authorizations for the war in Iraq, one in place since the 1991 Gulf War and another passed in 2002 during the lead-up to the invasion. More than 60 votes, enough to overcome a filibuster, were cast to advance the legislation. The final vote is expected later this week. In more news, New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez took to the social media app TikTok this week to protest moves by Congress to ban the Chinese-owned video hosting service for national security and other reasons. The effort comes after the company's chief executive officer, Shoji Chu, spent five hours being grilled by a skeptical House committee. Ocasio-Cortez's video argues the problem with TikTok is in China, but this country's lack of privacy laws major social media companies are allowed to collect troves of deeply personal data about you that you don't know about without really any significant regulation whatsoever. In fact, the United States is one of the only developed nations in the world that has no significant data or privacy protection laws on the books. 
The EU, for example, has something known as the GDPR, which really forces an, an enormous amount of protection on individual users and the amount of data uh, that companies can collect about you without your knowledge. So to me, the solution here is not to ban an individual company, but to actually protect Americans from this kind of egregious data harvesting that companies can do without your significant ability to say no. And usually when the United States is proposing a very major move that has something to do with significant risk to national security, one of the first things that happens is that Congress receives a classified briefing. And I can tell you that Congress has not received a classified briefing around the allegations of national security risks regarding TikTok. So why would we be proposing a ban regarding such a significant issue without being clued in on this at all? It just doesn't feel right to me. And additionally, this case needs to be made to the public. We are a government by the people and for the people. And if we want to make a decision as significant as banning TikTok, and we believe or someone believes that there's really important information that the public deserves to know about why such a decision would be justified, that information should be shared with the public as well. But frankly, I think a lot of this is putting the cart before the horse because our first priority should be in protecting your ability to exist without social media companies harvesting and commodifying every single piece of data about you without you and without your consent. Chu says servers hosting Americans' personal data are being set up by an American company in Texas to ensure no data ends up in China. There have been incidents of employees in China accessing TikTok records of journalists. Chu denies it was spying, prompting an angry reply from House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The Civil Liberties Director of the Electronic Freedom Foundation is David Green. He tells the news in this exclusive interview the issue isn't TikTok or China, but America's dearth of privacy protections. The issue is much larger than TikTok. The issue is one of lack of data privacy regulation in this country, lack of any controls of how user data is bought and sold on open markets, open markets that not just advertisers participate in, but that foreign governments may participate in as well. We were really concerned about the Chinese government having access to user information. Restricting TikToks is a small piece of the way a Chinese government may potentially get user information. TikTok is already really well embedded with U.S. society. Millions of people already have it on their devices. One of the consequences of restrictions, and that would pull it from the app stores, for example, would be to actually make the app less secure, more vulnerable <laughs> to exploitation because what the things app stores do are push updates, including critical security updates. The app would actually become much more vulnerable to exploitation once it's not maintained in an official way and people who either have legacy unmaintained versions or they start obtaining it, you know, downloading versions from the web, these are also much less trustworthy and much less secure. Silicon Valley, California, I'm speaking with right now, EFF. Would it be fair to say that generally the computer industry, the computer internet digital world is laissez-faire, is not really wanting to have that much government control over anything anyway? 
many industries would like to be regulated. <laughs> um, at EFF, we're not, we don't take a strict anti-regulatory approach. We think there's actually a great need for data privacy regulation and regulation in the way social media companies and, frankly, many other online services collect, retain, use, trade user data. That's an area where we actually, and especially within this particular debate, that's the thing we've said should be the first thing that the government should be doing. It should be enacting fulsome, comprehensive data privacy legislation. Then if all companies were restricted in what information they could collect, retain, use, and sell, then we wouldn't be as concerned about that information ending up in unfriendly hands. You know, the Fourth Amendment is the most uh, maligned amendment of them all. A lot of people I've talked to would say it doesn't even really exist anymore. Privacy as a right is long ago disappeared. Are we entering a world where we're just going to have access to everybody's information all the time? And what kind of world is that going to be like? We're probably outside of at least the way the Fourth Amendment is currently interpreted with the third party doctrine. We're probably outside of Fourth Amendment land. We talk about the trading and user data here. But at the same time, that's why it's an area that's really important for Congress to actually legislate, that privacy is something that can be legislated under U.S. law. We've certainly seen a few states do it. We're here in the context of a hearing. You did hear some members of Congress talk about this is not just about TikTok. This is the need for comprehensive consumer privacy. The impediment to that was that China would always have access to this data if it passed through the hands of Chinese-owned companies and that there's no way that could be totally eliminated, the possibility. I completely understand that. China and every other nation has access to user data, even if they don't own the companies, because the information is commonly bought and sold and traded. And if you have a restriction that focuses on the ability to actually collect that information by anybody, that's much more effective than just putting special rules on TikTok. What happens if the government bans TikTok? This is a political decision more than an actual decision to protect American secrets. One of the things I didn't hear in the hearing was the suggestion for a total ban. I think there was talk of a forced sale or some types of specific... China said uh, no way today. Yes. That's what members of Congress were saying. I think no matter what ban, restriction, for sale, it's all going to have to satisfy First Amendment scrutiny. The government will have to show that there's actually a, a real, a serious harm that it's trying to prevent. The government may well be able to show that. I don't know. I don't have access to the same information they do. I think as we heard at the hearing, there's a lot of unknowns about the data flows and who has access to the information. And obviously, I think a big difference of opinion between what the companies considered to be sensitive data and what me as individual users might consider to be sensitive data. Any restriction is going to have to satisfy First Amendment scrutiny. They're going to have to prove that there is an actual real serious harm. It's going to need to be more than just an unfounded suspicion or a fear. There's going to actually need to be proof of that. Again, that may well exist. I don't know. It's not a Chinese spy balloon in our phone. Uh, I, I do think that if it is, and the government knows that, then the government can go into court and prove that. And then it will also need to prove that whatever restriction it enacts is sufficiently tailored to advance or protect that specific harm. What does the future hold? We used to say that the internet would bring us together. Then during Trump, it sort of put us apart. And now we're discovering 150 million 
fellow Americans are pretty good video producers. We didn't know that. It's, <laughs> this is great. Kids are growing up on TikTok, and it's definitely having an effect. Do you think that's a good thing? Social media in general has its awesome benefits and concerning stuff as well. I put TikTok in that same category. We lose a lot if they go away or if they're strongly restricted. We lose a lot culturally. We lose a lot in terms of in terms of learning. We lose a lot in terms of building communities, maybe especially important for people living sort of isolation. We will lose a lot without it. Will it be replaceable? Maybe. It's hard to tell. I think I you sound I... a little bit uh, worried there. Do you think they might go so far because of the politics to actually try and ban TikTok or come up with very restrictive rules and laws that sort of kill it as it is today? It certainly seemed like there was bipartisan impetus to do something. I don't know if they'll be able to settle on something. I hope the thing they settle on is comprehensive data privacy reform and not something that goes on a company by company or service by service basis and seems to care only about the prospects of foreign ownership and not some of the other dangers of lack of data privacy rules. David Green is Civil Liberties Director of the Electronic Freedom Foundation. Congress is discussing legislation that might ban or severely limit the video sharing app TikTok. It's used by 150 million Americans and 1 billion users worldwide. You're listening to the news from New York City. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Closer to home. Representative Adriano Espaillat, whose district includes the Washington Heights and Inwood sections of Manhattan, held a news conference with city officials on Monday in Harlem. They're supporting Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who's been the subject of hundreds of threats, including a suspicious white powder and a letter that turned out to be harmless. Bragg is presiding over a grand jury that's increasingly expected to hand down an indictment against former President Donald Trump for campaign violations related to a payoff to adult film star. Stormy Daniels. Trump gave a speech in Waco, Texas over the weekend where he hurled a barrage of threats and insults against Bragg. The District Attorney of New York, under the auspices and direction of the Department of Injustice in Washington, D.C., was investigating me for something that is not a crime, not a misdemeanor, not an affair. I never liked space. I never liked it. It's just not. It's a terrible thing. That wouldn't be the one. There is no one. We have a great first lady. Congressperson Espaillat, speaking under the watchful eye of several NYPD officers, says the racism in Trump's verbal barrage is barely concealed. These images and these statements have racial undertones, and that's what we're here to denounce today and to ensure that both the DA and his family know that we got their backs. That an African-American prosecutor doesn't have the authority that a... Well, you know, that's the mind frame of the extreme right and the white supremacists that they feel is their way or the highway or that nobody else as a white male has any jurisdiction to do anything in this nation. Has there been an of threats? No, not yet. Espiat was at the Capitol on January 6, 2021, when hundreds of Trump supporters forced their way into the building, where colleagues huddled in fear and a noose, possibly meant for Vice President Mike Pence, was displayed, among other depredations in a building often called the People's House. A number of local leaders spoke in support of Bragg, Manhattan's first black DA. And from East Harlem, we have District Leader Hilda Salomon with us today. 
Good evening, everyone. I'm here to represent East Harlem. We elected Alan Brad to serve us, and we expect that to go forward. Let him follow the facts, and whatever they are, that's what they'll be. But we will not be taking the bullying that's going on. It's unacceptable, and we will not tolerate it. So I ask all of you to just think about it and remember that we elected him, let him do his job, and we will not be taking threats from the president, the former president. Thank you. Deputy Public Advocate Nick Smith says since Trump lost the election, bitter denunciations of black elected officials have spiraled. He says someone might get hurt. Black prosecutors across the, the country, really, are being disrespected and attacked for doing their jobs. For doing their jobs. He was elected to do a job. He came into office and said, I'm going to engage in the law in an impartial and fair way. And no president, no king, no prime minister can stop our district attorney from doing his job. We've got to respect him. Uh, Secondarily, just think about the impact on the DA and his family and all of the ADAs in that office. My office is about a block and a half from the DA's office. We're thinking about closing the office uh, if there's an indictment because of the threat of attack on not only the DA's, but the folks of this city. It's unacceptable. We should have to be here at a press conference to demand respect and security for our district attorney who was elected to do his job. Harlem District Leader Maria Luna says Trump is loco. Good morning and thank you. Such a beautiful day and a sad time for all of us. I hear about how Trump behaved. It shouldn't surprise us. The man has been mad for a long time, and we have to say it. It touches on the races. He doesn't care about us. He has never, never acknowledged his failures. And by saying that he's bringing back America to whatever it is that is on his mind, he's wrong. He is totally insane. Maria Luna said, Trump, you are insane. Loco, loco, loco. This man is an insult to humanity. Another activist spoke as well. From the Street Corner Resources Project, Aisha Sakul. Peace and blessings, family. Come on, give it to me. Peace and blessings, family. Right, so we stand for peace. But Trump needs to know no punks here. We stand strong with D.A. Alvin Bragg. There are no punks here. We stand as a community that know that this man has been committed to help to end gun violence in Harlem and all across the city, wherever he could, even before he became D.A. He met with our young people to talk about what they would like to see. He's been nothing but fair. So we stand with him strongly. I stand here to say I am the courageous we are the courageous, no punks here. Harlem stands strong with District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Say it, we stand strong. 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 No racism. Representative Adriano Espiad is the first Dominican elected to Congress. Trump has threatened chaos in the city if he's indicted. And finally, 
A dozen activists were arrested in the state capitol in Albany on Monday, calling for a New York state budget that provides for the poor while promoting housing integration. The coalition, led by New York Communities for Change, is calling for increased taxes on earners making more than $5 million a year. Another issue, low-income housing in communities that have resisted integration. New York Communities for Change co-director Lucas Sanchez brought up the story of Garden City, Long Island as an example. Why? In their words, to protect the character of their village, to protect the essence of the village that they grew up in, to protect the things that they love about living in the suburbs. These euphemisms are very forward and very straight. They simply could not tolerate the possibility of low-income black and brown people living in their lily-white community. Lucas Sanchez is co-director of New York Communities for Change. State Senator Linda Ramos laid out which programs are at risk, including tuition hikes at City College and increased transit fares. Fair pay for home care workers to make sure that we are stopping a CUNY and SUNY tuition hike, to make sure that we are stopping a subway fare hike, and to ensure that every New Yorker, no matter whether they have papers or not, have access to quality health care. Governor Kathy Hochul has proposed a $227 billion budget. The activists want billions more for social programs. And that's the news for Tuesday morning, March 28, 2023. You can hear the news at pauldurienzo.com on the Progressive Radio Network, prn.live, and your favorite podcasting app. From New York City, I'm Paul Durienzo. Thanks for listening.